Welcome back to Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollock. There's a nonprofit in St. Louis that teaches the art of life through circus education. You'll learn more about circus harmony. The bourbon industry is booming, and not just in Kentucky. Missouri boasts its own bourbon, and much of what goes into making bourbon comes from Missouri. One place you can go online to have all your gardening questions and concerns answered by MU Extension. We'll talk about their online program. And there's some hoops that you have to jump through to place surveillance cameras on private property. You'd need the consent of a landowner or a search warrant in order to do such a thing. Republican Representative Mitch Boggs looks to change that and explains his sponsored legislation to Anthony Morabeth. Well, it's a, it's a great honor to, to talk about something that's uh, come upon me as uh, a problem in another state that people began to tell me about. And uh, whenever they was explaining this to me, I thought, no, it's, it's, it's not possible. And uh, the more I dug into it, then it realized that it was possible for a landowner to drive along and find out that there's a game camera on his on his property that was not uh, not given authorization to put it there. And so I began to look for ways to uh, to try to curb that and pull that in as a uh, property rights uh, person, as someone that that uh, believes in the Fourth Amendment. Uh, I felt that there was a great need for this. Uh, you know, some have said that, you know, I'm trying to make it harder to catch uh, the bad guy. That's that's not the intent. Uh, the intent is to uh, try to rein in government, keep smaller government accountable as well as we keep our people accountable. So uh, my, my thought was is if, uh, if you've got to uh, go to that length and the landowner uh, doesn't want to catch the bad guy per se and they've got to go get a warrant well uh that's that's the right way to to go about that and uh and so my feeling was most landowners that are uh are wanting to do you know to catch the bad guy uh they're going to more than likely give you the uh permission to to put a camera up on their their uh their property so that was uh kind of how it started and and uh, filed this bill uh, last year and got a lot of support on both sides of the aisle. And uh, then, of course, we got, you know, there's always some people that doesn't doesn't like what you're attempting to do. You're making their job harder and whatnot. So, uh, so that's how it started. Are we talking any sort of everyday resident, everyday Missourians? Are we talking about specific Missourians? Yeah, so just like anything, uh, there's a right and a wrong way to do everything. And uh, it's, it's not always easy. So let's just say uh, someone's given me a scenario of what if a uh, what if a landowner uh, was involved? Uh, what if it was your sheriff as well that was involved? I mean, there's there's been so many scenarios given, but at the same time, I, I don't know of a judge that wouldn't give you a the document that you need to to go out and and get a warrant and and get this uh, person caught uh then also we have uh you know I'll, you'll have people say well what if, what if it happens on the state line and what you know so there's always there's always things that you have to go through that's going to make it difficult any bill you file is going to have pros and cons in all directions but my main intent here was to uh go back to the you know fourth amendment and 
and try to rein in government just a little bit, make them go through the same avenues that we have to go through as individuals. It's maybe just a little bit of pushback, but I think it's a it's a smaller government idea in my mind. When it comes to private property, are we talking like hunting land? Are we talking private property as in like your uh, farm, uh, my home? And how would setting up a surveillance and game camera sort of relate with that? So I think there's several pieces and parts to this because so many people came upon me with questions relating to uh, put one on a electrical pole at your house to see whenever you drive in, when you drive out. Uh, yeah, uh, some of them have said, uh, well, we want to put it where it's uh, we're catching a, a poacher that's coming in and they're they're fishing illegally. They're taking illegal fish. And so they're, they're wanting to put this camera up on private property. And maybe it's even aiming uh, on a, in a public access area. But still, I just feel that there, there needs to be permission before it's on a private private property uh, by the uh, landowner. Because it's as a landowner and you drive along and you see something that you didn't authorize, uh, it just makes you feel like, you know, someone's overstepping your bounds. Somebody's uh, not uh, respecting your what you pay taxes on, what you've built, what you've uh, worked hard to, uh, you know, for the, lack of a better word, to call your own. It's called House Bill 335, legislation related to surveillance and game cameras on private property. Uh, should say proposing to allow this and uh, do you think this as it currently stands is government overreach uh, further law enforcement intrusion since as it stands right now in order for this to happen you need the consent of like an officer or a chief in particular to like the conservation they have a uh, top officer that's that I've spoken with and and they've they've told me that you know they don't overreach and they they've got really really tight guidelines they only use this under strange circumstances and i i get that but also i've lived long enough to know that each time we give something away it doesn't never return and so what happens whenever that person retires the next person gets it and the standard is lowered just a little and then you know, 20 years go by, the next person steps in, and each time it's just lowered a little bit more. So, yeah, the person that's in, in, in charge right now may be doing everything perfectly right. But, as we know, we have to push back. We have to keep government accountable like we keep uh, our, our citizens accountable. And so that's my intent. Is this as simple as getting rid of some unnecessary government red tape you think i don't know as anything is just that simple i know on the campaign trail we talk a lot about red tape and cutting off fat and all that you'll find nothing in this house is simple there's always catches there's always burrs that that have to be ground off uh there's always things that you're doing to a bill to make it better so to i think even though it's a one-page bill uh looks like there's a maybe nine lines, uh, even though it's a small bill in, in as far as paper size, uh, stuff is always changing, and it's, and it's always bigger than it looks. And so 
you know, basically, it's if I was to, to summarize this bill in a shorter form, it's just requiring them to get a search warrant instead of the uh, top officer of that division being able to just say, hey, uh, we, we believe that there's uh, something going on here. Uh, we believe that if we had a camera up, we could catch this person. We could put a stop to this. What sort of criteria is there for necessarily, as you say, catching the bad guy and setting up cameras? I would say probably an enforcement question. Uh, one thing I will say is I don't, I don't believe that this is going to just set bad guys free, nor do I think that we should have to worry as landowners all the time whether or not our government is is just looking down our uh, on our business all the time i i believe uh, freedom is the uh, the very foundation of our country fourth amendment was put there for a reason and it's uh, for our protection against our own government and so therefore i believe that if if someone needs to be caught bad enough they say they've told me well if it, what if it happens on a friday and then it's monday before you get it well you know there may be some instances where we have to station someone close by i mean if we if we want to catch them bad enough and we got enough evidence uh we may have to station someone there because there is rare instances like i said it's nothing simple in this in this uh in this place in this world uh so there might be a little bit of extra work but i believe for a freedom Freedom comes with a price, and we have to fight for that freedom uh, because, like I said, each time something's taken away, you look back 10 years later and you don't go, oh, well, that's been lifted. What happens is once the freedom's taken away, then another one, and then another one, and before long, we're just complying with something that's unconstitutional. And so this is my pushback. This is my intent is just to push back, hold government accountable like they hold us accountable each and every day. There's certain things we have to do to, to keep our vehicles legal, to, to keep our uh, paying our property tax, all the things that we have to do as citizens. That's difficult. We have to go out of our way and it takes time and money and effort that, you know, we wish we didn't have to do. But it's it's what we do for the freedom that we have here in the in great state of Missouri and in the United States. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Over the past few years, the COVID-19 pandemic has affected how we live our daily lives. Today, one in five Americans experience emotional and mental health challenges, but many of us do not understand what we are facing or how to ask for help. At the American Psychiatric Association Foundation, we work every day to eliminate stigma, combat mental illness and substance use disorders, and advance mental health. If you or someone you love needs help, you are not alone. Please visit mentallyhealthynation.org to learn more. I see you finally got a new helmet. I did. Bought it cheap online. <laughs> Follow me. We'll turn off here. I'm right behind you. Watch the cars. They can be crazy. Teddy! No! Are you okay? Somebody do something! Was this young man hit by a car? Yes, and his helmet is smashed. It's a brand new helmet. It's probably a fake. Fakes cause real harm. You're smart. Buy smart. Brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. I drive my bus in a busy city. That's why road safety is so important to me. I know that I must slow down and be extra careful when I make a wide turn. Buses need more room than cars. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, 
Remember to give buses plenty of time and space to finish turning before driving ahead. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. I've been driving trucks for a long time. Safety is my number one priority. I know that my truck has huge blind spots. That's why I remember to check my mirrors often for smaller vehicles. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're behind the wheel, try to avoid lingering in those blind spots. It can be dangerous. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. You're listening to Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Ashley Bird, and I'm here with Tom Bowman, who is known for running our sports operations in Learfield. But that's not why I have him here today. It's not? No, it's oh. not. It's because you are my favorite bourbon drinker. You know, I, I do love to drink bourbon, and people go, you must be a bourbon expert. And I say, no, I am a bourbon enthusiast. You are, and that's that's the name of your website, is the Bourbon Enthusiast. There is a Facebook page for those that are in the state of Missouri or around the state of Missouri called Missouri Bourbon Enthusiasts. So if you search Missouri Bourbon Enthusiast, it's for those that want to discuss whiskey, bourbon, all the things that go with it. Talk about where to go find cool bottles. Our one-stop shop for everybody. Uh, it currently has 7,000-plus members on it from all across the state and surrounding states. And so it's a good place to get some education. So you actually are the chosen picker, the chosen, uh, the, the chosen, what do you call it? When you, when you help a, a bar, a restaurant, uh, a venue put together their their whiskey list. I mean, I, I host. I do a lot of hosts. So there, there's a local place in Columbia called Dive Bar that has a phenomenal whiskey and bourbon selection. And they do a monthly whiskey club tasting, which is fantastic. And so I host that event for them. And I'm also part of three or four people that help curate each month what the selections are going to be. And it's not always bourbon. Sometimes it's Irish. Sometimes it's scotch. Sometimes it's rye. Um but I, I help them decide that um, through my relationship with Dive Bar when they're talking about doing special projects, like they're talking about doing a barrel pick uh, from a Missouri distillery. I'll be part of that with them. I'll get to go with them and we'll taste from various barrels and decide as a group which one should be barreled are bottled as a barrel pick specifically for dive bar, for instance. That's exciting. And we can talk about this in, in a future interview because I want to pick your brain about all of this sure. over time. But you're, you're friends with a lot of vintners, a lot of uh, distillers, 
folks that uh, you actually have barrel picks from all over the U.S. And so that's pretty cool. That's why I like to get your recommendations <laughs> on things. But let's start with the beginning, just at least some of the basics of bourbon so that because this is getting even more and more popular. and It's in vogue all of a sudden. It again. is. The last four or five years, all of a sudden, whiskey and bourbon in particular have become in vogue again, whereas in the 90s, it was dead. It's what your dad drank. Uh-huh. Right? And people were drinking clear liquors. They and were now, drinking vodka and gin, and that was the cool thing to do. Right, right, right. So now I, I get with you, and then I show my dad what to drink. That's right. <laughs> but let's... Let people in on the secret. Tell us about some of the basics of bourbon, because I think it's very cool that it is our American spirit. It is. It is our it's it's the official U.S. American spirit. So a couple things about bourbon and, and some myths. First of all, the myth is it has to be made in Kentucky, it has to be distilled in Kentucky. And that's not the case. It just has to be distilled in the U.S. And frequently a lot of bourbon in particular is actually distilled in Indiana through a company that used to be called MGP. They're called something else now, but um, they will distill to order your flavor profile, things that you're looking for, and then you go barrel it somewhere. Sometimes it's done in Utah. Sometimes it's done in the Las Vegas desert uh, in the case of Smoke Wagon, which is a phenomenal new offering that's out there. So it doesn't have to be distilled in Kentucky, although 90% of the good bourbon is distilled in Kentucky, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But there are basic rules to something being bourbon. First and foremost, it has to be made of a mash bill that's at least 51% corn. A mash bill. A mash bill, meaning the ingredients. So there's there's a certain percentage, 51% or more of corn for it to be bourbon. Then there's a certain mixture of rye or wheat, and sometimes both. And then usually barley makes up a smaller percentage, 2, 3, 4, 5%. All that together creates a mash bill. So they're they're distilling it. It's There's yeast involved and the bubbles, and it's similar to making beer to some degree. And then once that's the the that distillation process has happened um, and it would we'd probably do an entire episode on that but it basically they use a still and the evaporative alcohol rises as a vapor and turns into us into a liquid and you get white dog you get clear spirit right and at that point now it's going to go into a barrel and that's what also sets bourbon off so bourbon cannot go into a barrel at higher than 125 proof wow Okay. That's the highest you can actually put it in the barrel for it to start to age. Ironically, as the barrels age, the water evaporates and the alcohol content rises. And at that point, one of the other rules for it to be bourbon is that the maximum proof is 160 proof. So if you say, hey, try this bourbon, what's the proof on it? It's 168. It's not bourbon. Oh, wow. It can't be bourbon. <laughs> now, I, I think the highest proof I've had recently is 139 or 142. Pretty, gracious. pretty high up there. Um, and sometimes those are harsh and sometimes they're fantastic depending on how they were aged and where they were aged. And that's a whole nother part of it. The other part to remember is that um, you have to meet all of those requirements. And then for the barrel, it has to be a new charred, meaning they take a flame and they take the inside of the wood and they burn it, basically. And that's what gives bourbon both its color and flavor. You know, the majority of it, all of the color and the majority of the flavor comes from inside the barrel. And the longer you leave it in the barrel, when it gets hot, 
all that liquid goes into the wood. When it's cold, it all comes back out. And over time, in the cycles of that, that's how you take on the flavors. And so that new American oak barrel, which, by the way, about 60 to 70 percent of that wood comes from Missouri. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, barrels, Missouri has has a stake or stave in yes. those barrels, right? So <laughs> tell me tell me about that. Where Where is this? And that's going back for centuries. It's right? going back a, a long time. So some of it is done in Kentucky and some of it is done here. The majority of that American white oak that they use to make barrels comes from the state of Missouri. You know, at some point we might run out of some of this white oak, but as as now, as we sit here today, everybody feels good about it. They are constantly replanting those forests and things over time. But these barrels are super important because they, they can only be used the one time. One time. Brand new. So you can't just recycle not them. For, you- not for it to be called bourbon. And sometimes what will happen is, and this goes vice versa, you will see used bourbon barrels being bought by beer distillers. Or wineries. Or wineries and vice versa. Sometimes what will happen is once a bourbon has aged, you can then put it in a secondary barrel and take on some of those flavors. You can't give it any kind of uh, artificial flavors. But for instance, a, a barrel that had Cabernet in it, there are those that make whiskey that will take the finished product and then put it in one of those previously used Cabernet barrels for a period of one, two, three, six months to take on some of those additional flavors. And one of the most famous ones is uh, is a double oaked. That's out there. Woodford I have Reserve. seen that out there, double and the, oaked. And double oaked means it was it was aged in a brand new oak barrel like it's supposed to. And then it was aged in another barrel that was lightly toasted. So Elijah Craig makes one that I love, toasted barrel. When you see this this term on a bottle, it means that it was barreled a second time in another barrel that they've changed the charring on a little bit. So you get maybe some more of the sweeter flavors. The lighter the char, the sweeter the flavors. We're talking to Tom Bowman, who is uh, a curator, taster, uh, bourbon master, whatever, but an enthusiast, enthusiast, and that's the name of the Facebook site is Missouri Bourbon Enthusiasts, okay. like-minded people getting together to enjoy <laughs> the brown liquid that we love. You mentioned flavor profile. Mm-hmm. Now, what am I looking for? You know, depending on how long it's been in the barrel, how the barrel was charred, what you typically get from bourbon, because corn is very sweet. So we talked about 51% of the mash bill has to be corn, at least. Sometimes you'll see 60, 65, even 70. The higher the corn content, the sweeter it's likely going to be. Corn brings out that sweetness. It's funny, you'll hear people say, I get notes of vanilla, caramel, chocolate, baking spices. Well, none of that stuff was put in there. But there's something about the wood interacting with the mash bill and how it was made up and and how those things interact together and the aging process that give you the subtleties of those flavors. None of that's really in there. No, none none of it is in there. In fact, notes (laughs) is really should be said reminds me of (laughs) this reminds me of vanilla. Bourbon is a sweet liquor. It just is. And it's because of the corn. Higher the corn, the sweeter it's going to be. There's so much more to talk about, just about bourbon with you, Tom Bowman. So we will have more of these conversations so that you'll have a a primer, uh, or as they say in in Ireland, a primer on whiskey. (laughs) But when I get a bourbon, neat meaning no ice, Mm -hmm. 
and I'll smell it like a glass of wine and I'll actually open my mouth a little bit and I'll, I'll breathe the whole thing in, which I've always seen people do with wine, but I love to do that with bourbon. So the first thing I always do when I'm tasting, and this is just a, a tip that I learned from a master distiller. Um, I don't know them personally. I was watching a video that this master distiller was on and she said, before you do anything, blow the top off. Because you do get a little bit of alcohol fumes on the top when you first oh. pour it. So when you take your glass, whether it's just a rocks glass or whatever highball or in some cases the famous Glencairn glass, right, which is a Scottish thing, the Glencairn glass, it's a little tulip glass. You want to just blow off the top a little, get those fumes out of the way. Because if you put your nose in that glass, when those fumes are there, you're going to burn things up a little bit and it'll change things for you. So give yourself a clean slate, get that off the top and then just put your nose in there and as you're breathing in, keep your mouth open just a little bit, and that'll help with the circulation of it. And take in what you get on the nose. So sometimes on the nose, you'll get certain characteristics. And then when you take a sip, different characteristics. And so it's interesting to see, do they always align? Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And that's all I care about. Listen, I don't sniff whiskey. I drink whiskey. <laughs> a little sip first, and that's not the one that's going to tell me the whiskey. A little bit of sip, let it roll all over my tongue, the roof of my mouth, get all those receptors open. The second sip, that's where you get your characteristics. You're listening to Show Me Today. Thank you, Tom, for Thanks. being with appreciate us. appreciate it. Show Me Today. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past the turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's, it's our roads. It's, it's our safety. safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. If you're talking, they will hear you. Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. 
Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control, and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you're ever concerned about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is going to tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack, and joining me from MU Extension is Debbie Kelly, and we're going to talk about their garden hour. Uh, Debbie, great to have you back. Oh, it's always great to be back with you and your listeners. Hey, before we get into the garden hour, with this spring weather, I mean, we've had heavy winds, and I'm not talking about the the tornado areas, um, but, you know, we've had heavy winds, we've had shifts in temperature. How does that affect uh, our gardens, our flowers, trees, anything we should do? Uh, no, there's not anything we can do because Mother Nature does what she wants to do, right? Uh, but it does affect our gardens, uh, flowers, the trees, even our grass and how it grows. Uh, but there's not a whole lot we can do at this point. With the temperature fluctuating, and I know it's going to get cold again this weekend, and probably stay cold for just a, more so normal than normal temperatures. I would say hold back on putting some of those things in the garden, the vegetable garden, and even the flower garden, because we have warm season flowers like we have warm season vegetables. So I would recommend if you've got cool season, you can go ahead and put it in. If they're warm season, I would wait a little bit longer than you normally would, just because I'm a little... I'm a little. I would do that. I'm a little sketchy about how our, our weather's been this, this this spring. Yeah, I mean, it does seem it does seem late. I mean, we're past tax day. It, yeah, um, and everybody thinks you know the temperatures and the frost free date fluctuates. It goes back and forth. There's a chance that we're going to have frost later this week. Yeah, that's um, crazy. If you're on our in, uh, on our garden hour. Uh, we'll, we always do a weather update, so it's always good to get a hold of that and we kind of let folks know. If and you know, speaking of tornado areas, I um I live in Hillsboro and we had an E zero tornado go through past this past Saturday, and I had a bunch of tree limbs down, and my smoke tree is no longer got anything in the middle of it, so I have to decide what to do with that. Yeah, tree. 
Yeah, I know. That's a, that's a whole nother story, whole nother topic. So Debbie Kelly joining us from MU Extension. Well, tell us about this Garden Hour. What is this? Is this a, a, a video program, a TV show? What What is it? It sounds like it. Well, it, it kind of is, but it's not on television and it's not really on radio. It's actually live through through Zoom or live on the YouTube channel. And it's recorded, so you can always watch it later. But essentially what the Garden Hour is, is we all remember when COVID hit and we had lockdown, right? And everybody is like, well, we can't go anywhere. Let's just play in our yard. And so people were going to, we knew everyone was going to start asking questions about how to garden. We had a lot of new gardeners that were coming out of the woodworks during COVID because we didn't know where our food was coming from sometimes. And so people just wanted to start gardening. So we decided to start the Garden Hour. And it's where people would uh, sign up. And it's free to sign up. Every Wednesday morning, you'll get an email that says, hey, the Garden Hour starts at noon today. Join us via Zoom. And you could send in your questions ahead of time. We would prepare an answer. And we would answer your questions for you. And then it was such a hit that we continued to do it um, every year since. All of the HORT specialists from across the state jump in and answer questions. And we've also got it so that we can do it via um, YouTube. And you can watch it live on YouTube if you can't join us via Zoom. Or you can go back to the YouTube channel and watch it. All of them are back there recorded if you're looking for an answer. Oh, that's great. All right. So you could go a couple days back, and then uh, you've got the weekend to uh, get signed up and uh, think about your questions uh, for next Wednesday's show. Um, All right. How do people sign up and submit their questions? Sure. So if you want to sign up, and again, this is free, and you'll get an email every Wednesday morning because the the, um, garden hour starts at noon on Wednesdays. It goes for an hour. So sign up at ipm.com. Spell out the word Missouri, dot E-D-U. And then on that page, once you get to it, in the top part of it, it is so click on register here, Mizzou IPM Town Hall. Click on that that says Garden Hour. We've also added an opportunity for you to upload a picture because a picture is a thousand words for us. Then you just hit submit and every week you'll get an email that says, hey, it's Garden Hours today. Come join us via Zoom or on YouTube. Yeah, tell us more about the YouTube channel. So if you're interested in joining us on YouTube, um, just go out to YouTube. You can type in M-U-I-P-M, and it'll take you straight to the YouTube channel for Integrated Pest Management. And that's where you will find four or three different opportunities. One is home horticulture, and that's the garden hour. And we do little snippets, so we always take one of the questions each week and we'll make it a a snippet. And then we also have the full hour of the garden hour. And that goes all the way back for about almost two years. So you have a lot of watching that you could do if you're really interested. (laughs) Um, And then we have, if you're interested in going commercial, in other words, if you want to start growing crops and trying to sell them, we have the commercial horticulture. And that's actually a video newsletter, not a print newsletter. And so that that is also out on that YouTube channel. A lot of binge watching with MU Extension. Debbie Kelly joining us. Uh, So who are the hosts? Do you rotate or is there one specific host? Oh, we kind of rotate. Um, 
so some people like to do, we do a chat box and you can, you know, we, we drop lots of links of information. So for example, I know someone uh, has a question in and that's going to be answered tomorrow. And so what we'll do is we'll kind of do a little short PowerPoint slide, maybe about five slides or not even that. Um, and then we'll drop into the chat box education links that can provide you additional information just beyond that five-minute uh, conversation of trying to answer that question. So those are also there, and they're also um, in the, on the YouTube channel. They're also listed there as well, so you'll be able to pick them up in either of those locations. And so we have someone who moderates, someone who's a host, someone who does the chat box. Um, Lots of fun. We kind of rotate around so people have an opportunity to, to do all the different tasks, so to speak, uh, on the garden hour. And then we also have every week we have someone with a meteorology extension piece on campus that comes in and does the weather report. Kind of tells us what the weather is happening now. If we need to cover our plants, here's the temperature. If we, lots of rain is coming, what is a three-month forecast, those sorts of things. When's the soil warm enough to plant certain crops? So he comes on and he does that. And so we're always happy to have Dr. Tony Luke go on. Well, this is, it is like a little news show, a little variety hour. You got a little bit of everything. I was fighting with my mouse uh, once I got on YouTube. Uh, so what's the channel again? How do I find it? Just type in MU for Missouri University. So M-U-I- um, you know, if you ever want to go back and, and listen to this segment or other segments from the program, uh, just download our podcast. Go to uh, Apple or wherever you subscribe to podcast and just search for Show Me Today, the Garden Hour with MU Extension. What a great idea. Debbie, it was great catching up with you. Yeah, you too. Always happy to be around. Always happy to share information when it comes to lawns, gardens, growing, whatever it might be. Hey, uh, we'll be back with more. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. The first three years of every child's life are critical. Learn more about early intervention. How your baby or toddler plays, learns, talks, acts, and moves give important clues as to how they are developing. If you have any questions or concerns about whether your baby or toddler's development is on track, please call 1-800-515-BABY. That's 1-800-515-2229. Call 1-800-515-BABY. That's 1-800-515-2229. Mom and Dad used to argue about everything, especially about Dad's drinking. My family went from totally crazy to quiet, calm, and even peaceful when Mom started going to Al-Anon family groups. I wanted a better relationship with Dad, so I asked Mom if she would take me to her Al-Anon meetings or to Alateen. I'm sure glad I did. If someone's drinking troubling you, you might be surprised at what you can learn in an Al-Anon or Alateen family group from people just like you. Call 1-888-4-AL-ANON or go to alanon.org. More. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. If you're talking, they will hear you Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? 
Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. We're back on Show Me Today. We'll talk about this nonprofit organization in St. Louis that teaches the art of life through circus education. Circus Harmony has trained its students to go on to some of the most prominent stages entertainment can offer. Cameron Connor is here with the founder, Jessica Hentoff, to discuss how it all got started. Circus Harmony is St. Louis's only social circus school. That means we use the teaching and performing of circus arts to motivate social change by building character and individuals and building bridges between communities. We also offer recreational classes. So anyone ages three and up, and by up, our oldest student was 93 and did trapeze classes. Anybody can come and take circus classes in a variety of circus disciplines. And we have evolved into one of the top pre-professional circus training schools in the United States. Wow. What an interesting thing. It seems like such a, not just interesting program, but unique program. So when you talk about Circus Harmony, can you kind of describe to me some of the examples of programs that students can take? So Circus Harmony is a circus school, and we offer classes in juggling, tumbling, wire walking, aerial apparatus, uh, physical comedy. We have circus summer camps, really unique summer camps where for The two-week sessions, kids learn circus the first week, and they actually perform it the second week right in our ring at City Museum. Since we are located inside of City Museum, we also do shows. Last year, we did 586 shows, many of them by our students. Also, most of our teachers are performing artists as well, so a number of those shows are from our very talented teachers. In addition to that, we have a lot of outreach programs. Um, We teach at a number of different schools, and we are about to start a partnership with the St. Louis Parks and Recreation Department, where we will be teaching circus classes in seven different St. Louis City recreation centers. We do a circus science program where we go into schools and teach science concepts through circus. And we have our architecture and acrobats program where we tell the story of our architecturally and historically significant St. Louis sites through circus arts. And those are going to be a series of videos. The first one is on O'Fallon and Fairground Parks. The second one is Fort Belfontaine in North County. 
The third one is on two St. Louis public libraries, Julia Davis branch and the central downtown branch. And the fourth one, which we are trying to get funding for, if anybody out there wants to support it, is for Old North, the neighborhood of Old North in St. Louis. For those of you just now listening, this is Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. I'm Cameron Connor. We're here with Jessica Henshoff. She is the artistic executive director and founder of Circus Harmony. And Jessica, before we get into the show that's being offered right now, the one thing that I'd love to do is go back in the Wayback Machine for a second and talk about how this all got started. Because you talk about this being a unique program that's only offered in your region around St. Louis area. And it's one of the only ones like this around. So how did it get started? I took circus classes in college, and I thought it was fun. And now, 50 years later, I still think it's fun. But that first summer of my freshman year, I wrote to 50 different circuses saying, oh, I'll do anything. I just want to work in the circus. And the one that answered me, the only one that answered me, was a youth circus run by a Methodist reverend based in D.C. He brought kids together from all across the country and we toured the East Coast doing shows for the public, but also for people who couldn't come to us. Homes for the mentally ill, senior citizens' homes, prisons. And I came back from that tour and I said to my circus teacher, Warren Bacon, at college, this is what I want to do with my life. How can I repay you? And he said, I'll tell you what my teacher told me. Pass it on. So right away, I taught everybody in my dorm to juggle. I went back to my high school and started teaching circus. And I became a professional circus performer, but I've also always been a teacher. And as I got older, I've finally opened my own circus school. And since this is America and it's hard to get money for the arts, it's a nonprofit. And that circus school is Circus Harmony and started out with 10 kids. And prior to the pandemic, we would teach about 1,200 a year in our various programs. We're trying to build back up to that point. A number of our alumni have gone on, like as we speak right now, we have two alumni performing with Cirque du Soleil in Vienna. One is touring with Cirque Mechanics. They just finished uh, booking in New York City. Two are with a fabulous company called Seven Fingers in San Francisco at Club Fugazi. One walks high wire with her husband, is Alex Walenda of the Flying Walendas. One of our alumni quit Cirque du Soleil and joined the WWE. One became the youngest female, youngest female human cannonball on Ringling and the first Jewish cannonball that we can find in history. And she is now our general manager at Circus Harmony and also does two different one-woman shows. Okay, so not only a special opportunity, but it also has a great repertoire and a great resume for, from people that have come through the school, and it's extremely accomplishing to see things like that. So one of the things that leads me to this next question is one of the great ways that you can prepare people for these illustrious careers is the fact that Circus Harmony puts on shows a lot of the time, and that current show right now that is being offered is Swashbuckle. So can you give me what that show is about? Sure. So year-round, we do free with your city museum admission half-hour shows, those are the 586 I'm talking about. Once a year, we do a full-length show with a theme. It's a ticketed event. This year, the tickets are only $15. They include your admission to City Museum, and they're the next two weekends in April. On Saturdays, it's 3 and 7, and on Sundays, it's at 2. 
and Swashbuckle is an epic adventure with somersaults and sword fighting and pirates and parrots. And there's a sea witch and a pirate queen and an enchanted parrot. And they're all looking for the same treasure. And it's a really fun show with excellent circus acts. And you and I are talking because of the miracles of modern technology. I'm in an airport in Montreal where I just saw two of our alumni graduate from the Ecole Nationale, the Cirque du National Circus School of Montreal. So Circus Harmony is a place to come. If you want to run away and join the circus, we can help you on the path. If you just want to learn to juggle, no matter what your age is, we can help you do that. And if you just want to be joyfully entertained and see a little joy and triumph, we can happily do that. We're also a place where kids don't just learn circus arts, they learn the art of life, like focus, persistence, and teamwork. And when you see Swashbuckle, you see great circus acts. You see, in this case, it's 11 children ages 10 to 19 presenting themselves in public and making you smile and clap and gasp. And a tear might even come to your eye. You never know. And that's what Circus Harmony does. It just tries to make the world a little bit of a happier place and help children to be better people both in and out of the ring. The wrap-up question that I do have for you, Jessica, is you mentioned that this is a nonprofit, and usually that means that there are avenues for support in order to help you know, keep Circus Harmony alive and get it better equipment or better programs or better shows or anything like that. So what is the way that people can go out and support Circus Harmony? Thank you so much for asking. So we are a nonprofit. You can donate directly online to our Peace Partnership Program, to our Architecture and Acrobats, to our Flying Children's Scholarship Fund. But you can also support us by coming and seeing our shows, booking our performers to come to your next special event. And the other thing is, because we're in St. Louis, and St. Louis has such poor public transportation, we are looking to restart our Wheels to Wings program so that we can supply transportation for kids to be able to get to circus classes. Circusharmony.org, and there are so many ways and facets in order for you to either help or if you just want to go out and have a night with the family, it still helps contribute to the cause of Circus Harmony. This has been Jessica Hentoff. She is the artistic executive director and founder of Circus Harmony on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. And you can also find us wherever you get your podcasts. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Show me today.